Hear the word of the Lord from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Jesus Christ himself human, who gave himself as ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an, and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God like the Israelites in the wilderness, we too have known your love and experienced your care and provision. You invite us to extend that love to the world around us, to care for others as deeply as we care for ourselves. And so we bring the needs of our world before you now. In your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the many who do not have enough, enough food to eat or shelter to keep warm, enough employment or money to pay their bills, enough medicine or medical care. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We also pray for those who have more than enough, but who still struggle to find meaning and purpose in life, who indulge in dangerous or self-serving activities to dull their pain or loneliness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, your grace reaches out to all of us. You call us to live as citizens of heaven, working together with one heart and mind. Strengthen us to live in a manner worthy of the good news we have received, offering our lives in service for your kingdom, where the last are first and the first are last, and there is grace enough for all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please rise in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. 
the Gospel of our Lord Christ Jesus, according to Matthew 6, verses 25 to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Kids are dismissed for Kid Zone, so you can follow Missy out up here. The Alm family actually got together yesterday for our family Thanksgiving. And uh, that is very disorienting, uh, to do Thanksgiving on a Saturday, the week before actual Thanksgiving. Uh, so waking up this morning was a little bit like, wait, what day is it? Where? Oh, right, we're going, we're, we're going to be with the church this morning. Um, and, and some of our, our family kept, so, someone, I guess, before we actually got there made the comment, well, maybe we could turn the parade on. <laughs> oh, right, that, that's later. Uh, so it was very disorienting, um, and, and I don't know, all of us were kind of struggling with that yesterday. A few weeks ago, when I was putting together the upcoming schedule for sermons, I pulled uh, these passages that we've been including in our worship uh, from the lectionary, uh, and it was scheduled. I briefly looked over the passages, kind of, you know, what's, what's going to be the kind of direction that we're going? Um, and on a, the brief look over, I thought, okay, this passage is about how God meets our needs. Uh, don't worry. Lots, uh, there's lots to meet our needs. We have Thanksgiving. Uh, end of sermon. This is going to be a very quick sermon. Get in, get out, nobody gets hurt. Uh, all, all that kind of thing. And I have to say, I had a very different experience when I sat down this week and really read through the passage. 
sit with it, read it, pray about it, uh, chew on it, uh, seemed like there was a little bit maybe more happening. And so I want to share this morning just some of those reflections with you on a, a passage of Scripture that is very familiar. Truth be told, you know, I've read through the part of the Sermon on the Mount, so I've read through the Sermon on the Mount, I, I don't know how many times. Many of you have read through the Sermon on the Mount many, many, many times. Um, and so I confession, I often probably tend to skim a little bit because I, it's just something, those familiar passages uh, that we s- kind of scan through. Um, but I want to share some of those reflections with you this morning. Would you pray with me as we come? Jesus, we are grateful for your life, for for your word, for the way you care for us in so many ways. Would you encourage, challenge, help us to grow this morning? May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sermon on the Mount, again, is something that we've touched on before. It's something that is a, is a kind of a, a focus, especially in our faith tradition. It's kind of one of those belly button verses. I, I mean that in a good way. It's kind of the center of, of who we are and, and a lot of our, our faith and our practice. Um, it's a passage that we've read through many times, maybe one that we, truth be told, kind of skim through now. But chapter 6, verse 19 through 7, verse 12 is kind of its own little section. And there's a lot of practical ethics, a lot of practical ways to live and to treat those around you and uh, ways of dealing with with wealth and ways of dealing with um, the way we treat other people around us, all kinds of practical implications. Dealing with our relationship to material wealth, uh, one of the early passages in in this section, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So I wonder what does it mean in our society when we try to have savings in order not to be a burden on others or society, etc.? But also, what does it mean when we get sucked into rampant consumerism pretty quickly? And it, a, black, or a Black Friday sales have already started. You go, they're already pushing that kind of stuff. Um, so, and we get sucked into it. I get sucked into it. So what is, how do these passages practically uh, impact our lives? We ask, sometimes our savings, our earning, our spending can come at the expense of others. And so we say this passage is largely, largely about our motivations for earning, saving, and spending. Is it, is it about hoarding? Is it about keeping? Is it about uh, a selfish uh, acquiring? Or is it a way of seeing ways that we can bless others? Is it, is it, uh, are we turning over those things to God's control? Well, later we get to the passage that was read for us this morning. And let me just read it for us again so it's fresh in our minds. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, 
What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will not he much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. When you've heard this passage in the past, you pull out kind of the the main point or you've heard a sermon about this passage, and there's a main point. What does that one main point tend to be? Do not worry. Do not worry. So it's do not worry. Pastor Adam, just say do not worry. Bada bing, bada boom, say a prayer, blessing, go home, get, get on with lunch. We all know it's about do not worry. But I have to tell you, when I read this passage this week, the first thing that popped into my head is that I can't relate to this passage. Sure, I have issues worrying. I'm not saying I'm not a worrier. I am definitely a worrier about all kinds of different things. But you know what I don't worry about? The situations that Jesus is directly talking about to those gathered around him. I generally don't worry about having enough food to eat, having access to clean water, or having clothes to wear. What to wear? Sure, that's a question. I can't say I worry a lot about it. What to eat? I hear my kids say it. I know I said the same thing when I was at home. There's nothing to eat. How many of you kids say that? Right? And you're like, there's a fridge full of food. There's a cupboard full of food. What do you mean? Well, there's nothing that I want to eat right now. There's not my favorite snack in the fridge or in the cupboard right now. And so we say, I have nothing to eat. I was reading through this passage being reminded that Jesus' audience consisted of those living at a subsistence level, hand to mouth. And I can't relate to that. I can't relate to that. Maybe some of you can. Maybe some of you have been in experiences or situations in life where you can connect to that. And, and you hear that God is, is, cares for those needs. But I've never needed those things. I've never been in a situation where I've had nothing to eat or nothing to drink or nothing to wear. It's been interesting in the last year or so that for the first time, at least in my life, in my recollection, Um, scarcity has been a potential issue. 
go to the grocery stores and, and, and maybe there's lots of empty shelves. Uh, one of the things we were tasked with bringing to the family dinner yesterday uh, was black olives. It's this whole thing, alms eat black olives. And of course we eat it the proper way is to jam them on the fingers. Um, It's, it's, what I, it's what I learned when I was very young. I don't, we went to Grandma Ohm's house and everybody's sitting there with black olives on their fingers. Um, it was often the first thing to go. I mean, like before the meal was prayed over and we sat down to eat, people were picking at the black olives. And so we went to the grocery store and, and um, yesterday and actually, there were some bare shelves of, of other things missing. Um, I did find my black olives, Katie said. That's because nobody else wants them. <laughs> but yet, we've seen some glimpses. We've seen work shortages, and maybe we've stood in line longer than normal for different things. We've seen some, maybe some inflation of goods, empty grocery shelves. Uh, maybe the thing that you want on Amazon is back ordered or is taking longer than normal to show up. And I don't want to make light. There are some potentially serious societal concerns. But still, I have not worried about having food in the fridge or in my pantry or having clothes to wear or clean water coming out of my faucet or filtered water out of my refrigerator. Extra filtered. Extra clean. So I'm thankful Thankful for jobs, thankful for income that help provide for the needs of my family. Thankful for the availability of food and water that I just really don't have to think much about. And I don't do the grocery shopping, so I really don't think a lot about, you know, cases, what, what do you need me to pick up at the grocery store? So I put it on a list and it shows up in there. And I'm thankful for my wife who goes and does all the thinking and processing and, you know, what's going to be the better buy and all that stuff. That, man, she's good at that. Um, I'm thankful for my home, for a shelter. But I also spent some time thinking about what does it mean for me to strive for the kingdom? Strive first for the kingdom of God. Yes, I worry. And I need to realize that Jesus is still king, even though we did Christ the King Sunday last week. He's still the king this week. But I don't worry about food, water, clothing, and shelter. Jesus says, strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things will be given to you as well. It's not a, this is not a, a prosperity gospel message that you just believe you're going to get it and, and say that I've got enough faith and, and I vocalize it in a prayer and bada bing, bada boom, God is our uh, genie that makes it appear. That's not what this passage is about. Within the context of what Jesus has just said, it pertains to physical necessities of food, water, and clothing. So what does it mean for me, for us, to strive for the kingdom of God and his righteousness if all of our essential needs 
are already cared for. And this is where I bump into the the biblical theme that kind of gets replayed throughout the Scriptures, that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. I can be thankful that I have resources to use in blessing others, not just hoarding for myself, not just keeping for myself. It's an opportunity to bless others. I'm thankful that God has invited me into this blessing ministry along with Jesus, has invited us to partner with God in blessing others. So I might pray along with my thanksgiving prayer, Lord, also give me courage to invest these blessings for the good of others. I want you to take out your card. You wrote down your Thanksgiving list, the things that you are thankful for. These are good. I'm sure whatever you put on here, it is a, is a praise. We need to, to live out of a, a sense of deep gratitude. And you know, every pastor on Thanksgiving or around Thanksgiving says, you know, it's not just one day, it's about thanks living, not just Thanksgiving. Right? You've heard that? Okay. It's not one time thing, one day of the year, but it is good to take this time to be thankful. What would it mean for you to offer these? Whatever you wrote down, relationships, resources, income, what would it mean for you to offer these as an offering? Maybe when Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth and strive for the kingdom of God, maybe these two phrases, these two teachings are connected. They're in the same sermon, so it would seem to... Stand to reason. Jesus means these two to be connected, to not store up for yourselves treasures on earth and to strive for the kingdom. Maybe God knows that you need your physical needs met, but also our neighbors, local and global neighbors, they also need their needs met. So how might you turn your Thanksgiving list, your order, or what you put down on here, How might you give over to God these things on your list in order to bless others? Now think carefully. I wrote my kids down on here, and I'm not just going to like give them over to somebody, right? (laughs) Some days. But how might I see those relationships as opportunities to bless other people? Does that make sense? So maybe you're not handing a person over. Don't do that. But how could you see those relationships as ways to bless others, bless them? Might you reach out and and bless them in a special way? Might you be very intentional about the way you live together as a family that you are reaching out to bless others around you? We've got some some neighbors across the street, a couple girls right around our kids' age, and they come over and, and play play with, with our boys uh, pretty often. 
And so I'm, I'm going through this, this uh, missional living kind of class uh, with some other friends, and, and we were talking about who are you sent to? And I'm racking my brain, you know, who is, who is God throwing into my life? And I'm, I'm thinking very pastorally. You know, who are the people that I bump up when I go to, to get coffee at Starbucks or, or I, I go this place or that place? And, and I was really thinking, and all of a sudden it's like, you know who is in my life pretty often and I really don't think about? Is my kids' friends who come and hang out. Is there a way to, to bless them? Is there a way to, to see uh, this relationship, them coming over, as something that we can be intentional about? Building relationships with them, hearing what's happening in their lives, seeing opportunities to bless and to, to uh, reveal the kingdom at work in their lives. So how might you turn your thanksgiving list over to God in order to bless others, using your home maybe as a place of hospitality to welcome people into deeper relationship. Or maybe you need to think about using your experience and knowledge to benefit someone else, to bless someone else. Of course, at this time of year, there's opportunities to purchase food or other items for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas food drives, toy drives, those kinds of things. Maybe we need to think about allowing God to use the blessing of friends and family, which means to bless others as a family or with a group of friends. It's been a while since we've received an offering, a physical offering. This is an offering plate, in case you forgot what they looked like. What does it mean for you to bring this list of things that God has blessed you with, relationships, material blessings? and to lay them before the throne, to bring them before God, that you might use these things to bless others. These are opportunities to bless others. Now, my first inclination is just to be thankful, to, to you know, bask, and, and to kind of grab and hold on to. But we're blessed in order to be a blessing. So what does it mean for you to turn these over, turn these back to God? To place them at, at his feet and to allow God to direct how you use those blessings to bless others. We're going to be uh, closing the service here in just a moment. Let me... We're going to be singing a hymn, number 89 in the blue hymnal, For the Beauty of the Earth. And while we're singing that hymn, I'm going to invite you at your leisure, if you're comfortable, to come up and place your Thanksgiving card in the offering plate here. You can do it after the service as well. If you're joining us online, I don't want to let you off the hook here this morning. I don't know if you... 
took the time while we were in the sanctuary to write down your thanksgiving list on, on a card or a piece of paper. But I hope you take that time to do, and I'm going to invite you to mail those to the church. And maybe it seems like a, a very... Um, a lot of work for something. But I think these physical responses are ways to ingrain this way of living in our minds. And so we go through the process to bring them here or to mail them in. It's a small sacrifice that I think makes a big impact on our hearts and minds as we live in a way that we are thankful for those blessings, but we are also willing to allow those blessings to be used by God to bless others that we are not storing up for ourselves treasures on earth, but we are striving first for the kingdom of God.